We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle podcast. We're coming to you live from Denver International Airport. I am on my way back to Indianapolis uh, from the Foster Farms Bowl. Uh, TJ Inman will be joining me shortly from Indianapolis. Uh, We'll talk about IU's uh, narrow 26-24 loss yesterday. So please excuse the airport announcements, uh, gate changes, and all those things. Uh, Hopefully... Uh, nothing goes wrong at the airport, uh, and I can make my flight um, a little bit later. So uh, initial thoughts on the loss for me, I, I thought it was a, a entertaining game, uh, an exciting game, uh, and, you know, it, it stinks not to win, but I, I think it, it gave me some confidence going forward. Uh, right now we bring in TJ Inman. Uh, TJ, how are you? Uh, I'm doing okay. Yeah, we're uh, it's it's very cold and wintry, and IU's football season is now officially over. So uh, a bit of a gloom here this morning, especially after a uh, rather frustrating night for IU sports fans. But um, you know, it's uh, the sun rises, and and we'll fight another day, I suppose. But it was uh, the game holiday it the is it morning? Yeah. Well. Yeah. Uh, I'm on some different time zone with two hours of sleep in, uh, in, in, uh, in, yeah, in the ether. But, uh, TJ, it, as you were saying, this game did follow the IU football script. Yeah. Um, yep. A, frust- a frustrating loss. Um, I, I do want to point out some good things. I thought the defense played very well. They kept them in the game, especially in that third quarter. Uh, where IU only had 32 yards of offense. Uh, the defense held Utah to just two field goals and six points, and, and that really yep. uh, kept the game within a score. IU would score a touchdown in the fourth quarter to take the one-point lead, but ultimately lose. So the so defense played well, especially with Marcus Oliver out, uh, who was missing with a with a knee injury. Um and without Ashawn Riggins, who who was banged up as well, so you know, Tyler Green I thought played well. Uh, Richard yeah. Vant played re- really really well. Um, they avoided him at all costs, and then just Joe Williams, man. Joe Williams went crazy uh, last night. I think IU fans wish he he had stayed retired, um, but he, he put on an amazing performance of 222 yards on the ground, um, and, and it. It, this game turned out just like we thought it would, um, where it came down to, to special teams, and that to me was the difference. Uh, that uh, Utah made more plays in the special teams. Uh, they won the field position battle. 
and IU had a chance to win, even though uh, Richard Lego, uh, his completion percentage uh, was more uh, attuned to a Hall of Fame baseball player uh, than a uh, than a quarterback uh, with the 38 yeah. and a half uh, percent completion percentage. So, um, with, with that being said, what what were your uh, takeaways uh, from the game? Well, I was I was incredibly impressed by IU's pass rush. Um, the, Utah had a uh, and they have a good offensive line and a mobile quarterback, but they were unable, particularly in the second half, they were unable to block IU's pass rush. Uh, the Hoosiers made some adjustments uh, after uh, kind of a, a slow start defense. Uh, the Hoosiers made some adjustments that y'all I'll give credit to Tom Allen, but I, I'm sure there were other guys you know, inputting in that decision as well. But uh, they switched up the pressure that they were bringing, and it looked like they started pressuring more up the middle uh, against Utah's offensive line, and, and it was working incredibly well. Uh, season high in sacks, you know, Seagray Scales had another very good game. Uh, I, I think he you're won, right to um, point out. He won defensive MVP, so. yeah. Yeah, defensive MVP honors. He's the guy I voted for defensive MVP. Joe Williams is obviously the offensive MVP. Um, yeah. yeah, but yeah, you know, T. Gray Scales played very well. Um, yeah, and it, they missed Marcus Oliver. Uh, he's a guy who, you know, maybe uh, takes the the load off of T. Gray a little bit. That defense is on the field for 35 minutes, and I think as long yeah. as I've been running the site, that was the longest or the biggest differential in time of possession I've seen. I, I remember writing about. And you could tell that defense was gassed at the end of the game, and maybe having yeah. Marcus Oliver uh, would have made a difference in, in tackling Joe Williams. Yeah, I I think that that's 100 percent accurate. I will say that I think Chris Covington uh, did you know did admirably filling in. He's he's not he does not have near the level of experience Marcus Oliver does, and right now he's not the caliber of player Marcus Oliver is. But I do think Covington. Uh, certainly didn't have a bad performance uh, filling in for him. I think no. you're right to point out Tyver Green. Uh, I think that uh, Keontae Walton had a had a nice day. Uh, I think he had eight tackles. So uh, that was it was good to see some uh, just a few different guys uh, step up. Mainly Walton and Green that have not really had a ton of opportunity to shine this this year. Uh, get their chance on offense. Um, yeah. As far as positives go, I think Nick Westbrook had a couple of nice catches. Uh, I wish that they would have taken more deep shots on him, but the the way that the passing game was struggling, I, I guess I understand why that didn't occur. Uh, I think Ricky Brookins um, did well with his Rick. with his carries. I know his average is uh, his average ended up at like 4.2 yards a carry, but uh, he had a couple. That he averaged 4.4. Okay. He had 4.4. He was clearly the best running back IU had yesterday. Uh, even though Devine had a touchdown, had more yards. Um, but and one nice run. He had a he had a nice like 15 yard run that I think it's right at the start of the second half uh, was Redding's best run. He showed some patience, uh, waiting for a block to develop to the left side. I think it was, and then cut it up field. But yeah, I thought I thought Brookins was was IU's best back. He even had a nice uh, – he had a nice uh, 
catch out of the backfield on a uh, pretty nice play call, I thought, on a third down and five that kept Indiana probably their best offensive drive today, really. Uh, they converted two third downs. It was really the only time all game Lego looked, uh, looked sharp. Um, so I thought that was a positive. I'll give credit to the offensive line because they went against a tremendous Utah defensive front. They really do have some strong, strong players up there that are going to play in the NFL very soon. Uh, and I thought the offensive line did a pretty good job uh, with, you know, a, a limited uh, limited running game as far as running back depth and ability goes. Uh, and from an explosiveness the, standpoint, I thought they did a pretty good job. Uh, and then they, uh, you know, it's tough to say they did excellent pass blocking. I didn't think they were terrible. I don't think they got overwhelmed. Uh, by Utah's defensive line, which, again, I'll, I'll, they are very, very impressive. I, I'd rank them up there with any that Indiana played this year. So yeah, I, I think that was a positive. Um, and uh, I honestly, the special teams performance uh, was, and this is saying something, it's better than I expected it to be. Uh, Utah definitely won the game on special teams, but I thought Indiana's special teams would be outclassed even more than it was, which shows where I have the bar set for them right now. But, I, you know, Joseph yeah, Gideon probably had his best game that he's played at, oh, at Indiana uh, in terms of punting now. <clears throat> no, it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, did he have he any good ones this year? I mean, it's, they were line drive punts, F- but <clears throat> FIU least, was none of them got blocked. I guess so. Yeah. One of them should have been. <clears throat> none of well, them got uh, blocked. Uh, and, <clears throat> Excuse me, uh, TJ. To go back to your offensive line, defensive line, um, IU was out without several starters. You know, Brandon Knight didn't play. Jacob Bailey was out with an injury. Um, you're missing Demetri Camille, and they held up pretty well. Simon Stepniak, I thought, played pretty well. Dan Feeney totally neutralized Hunter Dimmick um, in the game. Hunter Dimmick finished that with holding, one. Uh, that, that holding call was a bad call. Uh, the hold that they had on Feeney, that was a uh, a bad call. And I, I, I watched it a couple of times. I rewound it and watched it uh, in the Fox analyst, Joel Klatt, who does a very nice job. Uh, I always enjoy watching him, and I'm pleased that he'll be calling some Big Ten games now. Uh, I, I thought that, you know, he agreed, and, and he, he thought it was a bad call as well. Uh, yeah, you're right. Feeney had a very nice game, and I do want to shout out to Jacob Bailey, uh, his IU career is now done. Um, unable to go in the bowl game due to an injury, and he, you know, he's a tough guy to battle through a lot of knee problems and, and kept playing when he could. And um, I have a lot of respect for that. So, uh, congrats to him on, on finishing up his career as a part of a uh, IU offensive line tradition that that has gotten stronger during his time there. So I just wanted to get that in there before we move on. Yeah, and, you know, I thank Jacob Bailey. He, he's a fun guy to, to talk to. Um, and if you ever see the clip of him on um, Sportslight with Mike Hall, they did the challenge where yeah. they put noise-canceling headphones on and you try to guess what the people are mouthing. Um, and that was hilarious. So uh, kudos to him. Congratulations on a good IU career, and and we wish him the best. But let's dive deeper into the issues IU had yesterday. I thought they yeah, start, they started negative. the game with a bang. 
Uh, they started the game with a bang. Greg Gooch totally lit up. Uh, Kyle Folks, it looked like Utah just slept, was sleepwalking through that that kickoff, and maybe that hit woke him up a little bit. Um, but other than that, I, the special teams, uh, I guess your uh, evaluation of Gideon is um, a lot more lenient than mine. Um, Booby Hobbs well, I just is a dangerous none return none guy. I well, yeah, none of them got bar low. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, like, to me, the, those punts had zero hang time. Um, and, yeah, he almost broke – he almost – he was, you know, a, a move away from really breaking some punt returns. Chase Dutra did a tremendous job uh, yeah. covering him downfield. But you're playing with fire when when your punts get, you know, 12 feet off the ground. Um, and, and you're giving – and the guy is catching them on the fly, and your coverage team is not down there uh, just yet. Um, I thought Griffin Oaks started the game, and, and I, I want to emphasize this. I thought he was back to being the Griffin Oaks we saw at the beginning of last year. He was booming kickoffs into the end zone for touchbacks um, and, and putting the ball uh, where he needed to. Uh, he had that short chip shot field goal. I thought his confidence would be high. And then came that 40-yard field goal from the middle of the field. Um, it also looked like that final extra point. He, um, it looked like he he struggled with that too, and maybe that made his gave him a, a, you know shook his confidence a little bit. But man, that that missed field goal was huge uh, to to go up yeah. four uh, with five and a half minutes left, forcing Utah to then score a touchdown. Uh, and, and you know. He, it's the butterfly effect. You can't say that they would have had that 32-yard run or would have had a goal-to-go goal situation. But let's say they did. They were 116th in the nation in the red zone, and you're so you're making them um, defeat their Achilles heel to beat you. And that that missed extra point was just, just killer. Um, of yep. course, the offense could have put it away with a touchdown to go up eight. Um as well, but they couldn't get that done. Uh, you know, and, and to me, the, the game turned. Uh, there, there were two turning points to me. The biggest one was Divine Redding's fumble in the second quarter. IU, it was a 10 to 14 point swing, uh, depending. You know, you'd expect them to hit the field goal down there, maybe get a touchdown. Utah gets the ball, marches 95 yards down the field makes 17-7 instead of IU having a 14-10 or uh, a tie game at 10-10. The, the handoff was wonky. Uh, it looked like he bobbled the handoff, didn't really have a good handle on it, and then it looked like uh, an IU player's helmet knocked it out as well. Divine Redding really struggled yesterday. Um, you know, he, he, missed a, he dropped the screen pass that it could have gone for major yardage. Um, in, a, in a big play, he didn't hit. The holes were there. IU's run blocking was pretty good, uh, despite the the numbers they put up. The holes were there. He just, he, you know, he runs too much east and west against this defense instead of uh, like what Ricky. Why Ricky Brookins was successful is because he hit the hole with authority and and and, and burst through it. And, and he got you know seven, eight, nine yards at times, and, and he broke off a twenty yard run as well. Um, so there's 
it's the manifest of the things that that plagued IU all year. You know, came back to haunt them in the bowl game, and then you had Richard Lego. The receivers dropped too many balls. Uh, Richard Lego looked off. Um, I think they were criticizing his his arm slaughter mechanics on yes. on the broadcast, but he he looked. Uh, it's safe to say that IU will have a quarterback competition in the spring. Uh, at least that's what you'd you'd hope. Um, yeah. You know, even though Xander's yeah, gone, I'm... you're going to have Peyton Ramsey, Austin King, uh, and, and we'll see who else is is back there. And then hopefully IU can land Tyler, Tyler Lytle as well and bring him into a mix. But, you know, Peyton Ramsey will still be a redshirt freshman. Uh, Lytle will be a true freshman. So, You've got to give Lego the upper hand, but after yesterday's performance, that competition is, is wide open now. Yeah, on, on that, uh, on the mechanics point, yeah, they were, uh, and, and Joel Klatt is a former quarterback that played for Colorado, um, and I think he does a very nice job as an analyst, and he was pointing out that Richard Legos had a problem throughout the year. He said at the start of the telecast that he had a problem throughout the year of having a lot of his passes uh, knocked down at the line of scrimmage, um, and that it they were showing his throwing motion, and he he doesn't really use his six six frame. He kind of uh, almost shrinks down a little bit. And he does not release the ball at a high point. Uh, it's it's not sidearm at all, but it's certainly not an over-the-top, uh, completely over-the-top motion. And seven of his passes got knocked down at the line of scrimmage yesterday uh, by Utah's defensive linemen. So it's something that they uh, were clearly aware of. They had their hands up and were active and, and good for them. But, you know, part of that is still on, on Lego to, to get it over the line. Uh, to your receivers, and yeah, they, their receivers did not help them a ton yesterday. Uh, there were a couple of, of drops that could have gone for big plays on, on uh, you know, tunnel screens. Um, Redding had one, Page had one that both could have gone for very nice plays. Timian had a drop that uh, you know you are definitely not used to seeing him make. So. Um, you know, maybe some of that is some, some rust from time off. It usually affects the offenses more than it does the defense in these bowl games. But, uh, you know, whatever the case may be, it, it was uh, a very poor performance in the passing offense and one that I think uh, likely will will see some changes made uh, in the makeup of that passing attack before next season, whether that's uh, you know, personnel changes with, with players that are on the field or um, coaching changes with, with who's in charge of of the passing game or who's calling the plays uh, for that, we'll see. Um, and I I don't put this on Kevin Johns. I don't think he was doing a poor job calling plays. No, I, I, he, thought, was, I thought he called a uh, great game, and we'll get into coaching in a second, but I thought he, yeah. he called a pretty – Yeah, I thought it was the best coach game of the yeah. year. Um, it, it, it was fine. Yeah, were, were there plays that it wasn't a perfect game? Nobody coaches a perfect no. game, but uh, it was. There were very few plays where you go, ah, they shouldn't have run that. Um, yeah. the, the one play where Lego Utah should have had a pick six. Um, it, it looked I, like a I miscommunication between. 
It looked like a miscommunication between him and Westbrook where he thought he was running a comeback and Westbrook thought he was running a go route. Um, But other than that, I thought the most concerning part about Lego is that he had 15 extra practices. And And we heard positive things. It It just didn't happen. Yeah. Translate. Yeah. So, so who knows now with, he has the tools. We've seen his big arm. We've seen him make, make throws, but if he can't put it together during bowl practices, what's he going to do in the spring? And if it's a mechanical issue, um, is he able to fix it? Sometimes, you know, fixing these mechanical issues are not easy. Uh, it's not, you know, I always compare it to, to shooting a basketball and there's a correct way to shoot a basketball and not, but sometimes, you know, do, do you let the guy who's got a wonky shot, um, if he's hitting them, do you let him continue to do that, or do you switch it up and make it fundamentally sound, but you're going to sacrifice some accuracy for a while? But, you know, mm-hmm. he, he completed 38, 38.5% of his passes, so why not try? But it, it's not a sure thing that, that he will improve. Um, my faith in him is a little shaken. Yeah, I, I've been a Richard Lego backer. I thought he was clearly the best quarterback on the roster. People calling for Diamant yesterday. Yes, he had a nice throw, um, 36-yard touchdown to Westbrook. It was a tremendous catch. But I don't think he runs the ball against that Utah defense. Utah's defense laid a lot of lumber on Indiana's running backs yesterday. And Diamant being 160-some-odd pounds probably doesn't survive that for long. And then, you know, on that throw, he put all his energy behind it. Uh, There was – I mean, he the launch so angle on that was almost, yeah, it was almost like four, it was like launching a rocket, uh, almost. Um, a tremendous throw, a tremendous catch, and, and it provided a spark. But I don't know going forward if it, that uh, Diamant would have been that successful, um, or or even uh, worse than uh, Lego because they were playing a zero coverage defense. That they're going to have a defender on Diamant in the run game, and then you're going to make Diamant throw the ball. That His touchdown was his first touchdown pass since 2014, and I believe it was his second career touchdown pass. Um, to me, I, I thought two curious things. One, where was Tyler Nate? I believe he was on the trip. I saw him in the team picture. Um, and where was the bacon and legs package? It's been something that Maybe that was a Kevin Wilson thing where and Kevin Johnson didn't like it or something like that. We know that, that Wilson brought in Nate. He was uh, his guy and things like that. But that, that package was missing. But overall, I thought the coaching was good. There were no um, egregious timeouts with the playcock running down. Uh, to me, that was the most impressive thing. IU had all three timeouts at the end of uh, both half situations. I thought, yeah, yeah. Allen probably was at first okay. all year, oh, really. Yeah, Allen was okay at clock management at, at the end. Um, that that sack, I, I thought he should have taken timeout after the sack. Um, but they, they got up to the ball quick enough. That sack really put them in a bad a bad position. Uh, and then there was a missed yeah. targeting call, uh, where. You know, everything's been called targeting, and then that happens, and, and there's no flag. Um, but 
with five seconds left, they, they get a false start, pushes them back. With five seconds, you could run a short out route, especially it, it, five seconds is right at that that borderline of do you have enough time for two plays or not. They did have a timeout left. Yeah. Um, I, I thought they wasted it at, at the, the time they called it. Uh, I thought Ricky Jones got out of bounds, um, and it was a first down. They, they stopped the clock. Uh, then, you know, if you run a, a eight to 10 yard route, you're relying on Griffin Oaks to kick a, a 50 plus yard field goal. We've seen it do him do it before, but it, it, I mean, it's a, a, a long shot with a, a guy who had missed 10 field goals this year. Um, so th- there's not much else you could have done. The, that final play, Allen said after the game he wished that they could have got that that throw off. I think they got the look downfield that they wanted, um, and then Lego just hit as he threw it. It looked like he took too low too long to load. He had some time, yep. and then he got tackled from behind, and it just looked like he took too much time. But uh, yeah, to me I thought it, it was like the best call game of the year. Reset his feet, so yep. And then the most encouraging part is that, you know, Tom Allen looks the part. And now he, we've seen him in a game against a good team, and he didn't look overwhelmed. Uh, there, there was no sense of panic in him. There was no, you know, other than arguing the targeting call, there was no Kevin Wilson tantrums. And then I think that the thing that maybe some fans missed, uh, Ralph Green was getting into it with Utah on the sideline. And I think he yanked Ralph Green off the field to calm him down uh, before he got a penalty. Uh, and I don't know if Kevin Wilson does that. Um, you know, I, I think that shows that the players have a lot of trust in him. Uh, that's not that's not an easy move to make. Ralph Green's playing in his last game. He played very well yesterday, um, uh-huh. and he was emotional at the end. I mean, we were way up in the in the radio booth, and. I think after they they called a hold that holding call, you could hear him clap from the top of the stadium. Um, so, you know, taking taking Ralph Green, I don't know if he grabbed him by the shirt collar uh, or, or something um, or the shoulder pads, but he he yanked him off the field, calmed him down, and, and got him back in there. So uh, to me, I thought Tom Allen um, showed me that uh, it gives me a little bit more confidence going forward that he that he's the right guy to, to steer this ship uh, through these uh, rough waters. I, yeah, I mean, I've, I've been aboard, uh, I've been aboard that train uh, since, since he was brought on uh, as defensive coordinator. And then as uh, yesterday did nothing to shake my confidence in him. Uh, I, I think he's, his energy is infectious and, um, I, I really think he's going to connect with with the fans and with the IU players and with the community uh, in a way that we have not seen from a head coach uh, since Terry Hebner, and, and I'm I'm excited for that to happen. Uh, and I think we'll see a lot of it this off season, and we'll you know we'll have a ton of talk about big picture stuff and all that. But I, I agree with you in, in his initial outing. Uh, there was nothing really to, to raise any red flags about. Whoa, uh, this might have been a jump too far for him. I don't. I don't think there's anyone that could say that. So, or at least no, without. Yeah, I, I mean, without it, making leaps, the, the, there, the, so. they came out with their hair on fire. 
He had this team ready to go, um, which wasn't an issue under Wilson, but you saw it that they, they – Gooch with the big hit on the kickoff. They scored a touchdown there, uh, which was huge. Um, they, I think they adjusted pretty well in game. Uh, and, yeah. and, and to me, it's just clock management. It's, you know, there was a, a, a calmness on the sideline. Now, he's very energetic and running around, but there was like a, a calmness in terms of frustration and all of the, that thing that maybe you see Kevin Wilson get red faced and yelling at referees and, and chewing out players. Um, and that's his style of coaching, and it, and it works sometimes. But it, it just gave you a sense of a quiet confidence that, that Tom Allen uh, is the right guy. Now, if they had come out and got blown off the field, that would have raised red flags because that was something I was concerned about was that, you know, they didn't do a, a formal coaching search. They just settled yeah. on Tom Allen. Um, he, he does not have, you know, his only head coaching experience is at the high school level. He's been – you know, he has more than enough credentials. It was was this jump too soon? Um, but I thought he he handled everything well, uh, and now it's time to to go hit the road recruiting. Uh, we'll see what staff changes are coming up, um, and you know we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, what, it's truly making the program good. Like now, now that's what it's, the focus is. Yeah, and, you know, we'll, we'll cover it uh, through the off season, and uh, I think we'll, we'll start having a weekly uh, or biweekly offseason uh, podcast to update you. We'll get some recruits yep. on uh, as well with some former players uh, now that we've, uh, you know, we've become closer to the players now, and, and I know a few of them would love to jump on with us, uh, awesome. former players, and, you know, it's now recruiting. We'll see. We'll we'll see what they they need. There, there's a lot of holes they need to fill in recruiting, uh, and, and it'll be interesting what who and what they get uh, in terms of positions and players. And then with spring ball, I, I believe somebody tweeted that spring ball is like six, 50 or sixty days away. Um, so we'll get into that. We'll get into what player shirt, departures. Um, yeah, player departures, red shirt guys. You need to watch. Uh, incoming yep. freshmen, uh, I believe there are three or four mid-year signees uh, that that are into the mix in the spring, uh, and we'll have like a, our mini season preview for the spring, and then we'll get into uh, you know the countdown to kickoff and, and start getting ready for Ohio State in the opener. And you know Tom Allen talks about breaking through, and that's going to be uh, a great opportunity to break through. Final thoughts, yeah, DJ? Yeah, no doubt. I'm looking forward to all that stuff. and It was a, a fun season, often frustrating, but uh, I really, uh, really truly enjoyed, especially the defense. I just enjoyed watching them play this year, and that uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun, and I'm ready to do it again. Yeah, I, I want to give a big shout-out to uh, Hoosier Nation. Uh, they, they're terrific this year. Uh, we, we have had a tremendous growth as a site. Um, yep. And our followers on Twitter, our uh, likers on Facebook, and especially the the Hoosier Nation fan page, who has let me post on their um, on their group all season long, uh, they, they've been tremendous as well. And, and I just want to, you know, I love covering this team, and it's because of the readers uh, that makes it fun. And 
So I, I just want to say thank you, and and we'll keep you updated through through the off season, which is not quite off season. Uh, but you know, thanks for joining us, and and we'll be back in 2017 and uh, get started. Absolutely, yeah, hundred great, hundred percent agree. All right, thanks for joining us, TJ. Uh, have a uh, happy new year, and enjoy the uh, rest of the bowl games. Same to you, everyone. All right, that does it for our Foster Farms uh, Bowl post-game show. Uh, thanks for joining us uh, this season. Uh, come back to HoosierHuddle.com often. Follow us on at Hoosier underscore Huddle. Uh, you can like us on Facebook. It's uh, Facebook.com backslash The Hoosier Huddle. Uh, we appreciate your readership. We appreciate your support. Uh, if there's anything you guys think that we could do to improve our coverage, uh, please let us know, DM us, email us, um, leave a comment on the site, uh, anything that we could do uh, to, to help our coverage and make it better, uh, we'll try and do. So thank you, uh, and uh, have a happy new year. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard, BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Ah. 
The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Mm-hmm.